Welcome to College Street Victory Church. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Why don't you announce my title to your neighbor and then you can sit down again. And that is wake up, wake up. Is it wake up or get up? I'm up. Oh, whatever the screen says, tell them you're up you made it. It's it's what's in the message that counts. (laughs) I'm up. Man, nothing gets you down. Ever, show of hands, you ever had trouble getting up in the morning ever? Come on, especially when it's rainy like this in the spring season, the bed feels so good. You know, maybe you've had trouble getting a good night's rest or or others have to wake you up. Come on, maybe you got to have like the three alarms going on. Uh, like Coach DJ, I think he's got at least three. And if he sleeps through all of them, the coffee grinder goes off and then he knows he's late. <laughs> I don't know, it works for you, but... Um, maybe you've been woken up by a dream. Maybe you've been woken up and you just have the feeling of anxiety for some reason in the morning and you don't know why. Maybe you've been watching the news. I don't know. Uh, but you have a hard time just getting out of bed. I'm sure we all have. There's not one of us that hasn't had a hard time getting up. Some of us have been having problems just sleeping at night, let alone starting the day refreshed, passionate, saying, Woohoo! Thank you, Jesus. Today's the day the Lord has made. Hey, Rick. I'll be rejoicing and be glad in it. <laughs> yeah, but we don't always wake up that way, do we? Sometimes it just seems like we wake up on the wrong side of the bed if we even want to get up. And there's a lot of things going on in life, I get it. There are a lot of things that maybe let you down, knock you down, but you just keep getting up again, even when you get knocked down. And, you know, somebody already said it. James, there's this band, 90s band out there, Chama something. And uh, there's, a, in the, there's a song in the 90s, I think they were like a one-hit wonder about getting knocked down. You know that? You know what I'm talking about? I get knocked down, but I get up again, because you're never going to keep me down. I get knocked down, but I get up again, because you're never going to keep me down. I get knocked down, but I get up again, because you're never going to keep me down. I get knocked down, but I get up again, because you're never going to keep me down. Ladies and gentlemen, James Pona. It's a horrible song, but it's got one good line. (laughs) That's all I got to say about that. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's not really a good song, but it's a great example how you can get one good line, do one good thing, and totally miss the mark of what you need to do. But hey, if, if that encourages this morning, praise God. God can use anything. Either way, wow, I'm going to dance like that. Okay. Thank you. But this begs the question, what do we get up for? We feel let down, knocked down. What do you get up for? Well, Isaiah 61 says this. It says, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is upon you. Say it's upon me. Come on. Arise and shine. God's glory is on you. And he wants to do something in you so that you can help others today. I truly believe we've been seeing some miraculous change and help in our community. We talked about the whole purpose of getting in the word is so we can get out and help people in need. In the Bible, there's, you know, there's 23 
verses that talk about arising. And to arise means to stir up, to awaken and prepare for action. You got that, Emma? Where are you? Where's Emma? All right, taking notes? I'll say it again. Arise means to stir up, awaken, and take action. Come on. So what is our purpose? What is our purpose to rise? What drives us to make a difference and to take action? I want to read about two men. Two men that helped somebody else up, and because of it, they were put down. You ever done that? You ever help somebody, or you, you, you try to do good, or you do something good, and then you get put down for it? I'm telling you, maybe you haven't seen this just yet. Maybe you're staying off social media. People don't have a hard time with you doing a good thing. It's just when you bring God into it. You start giving credit where credit's due, right? Just saying. In Acts 3, just before this, I shared about, you know, how Peter and John show up to this man at the gate who was literally had to be carried there his whole life. We know the Bible says that he was over 40 years old, so he's over 40. So he's young. He's young. He's in his prime. But he had to be carried. And in a moment, Peter and John saw an opportunity not just to give him change, but to give him transformation. By saying, gold and silver have we not, but in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And you know what was cool about that too? They didn't just shout at him and tell him what to do. It says they took him by the hand. How many of us have been in a place where we need someone else to come just reach out to us, take us by the hand? How many people are out there that could just use a little bit of a reach? Not just a word of encouragement. And Emma, you wrote it down last week. Don't just tell me, show me. Right? Don't just tell me, show me. And the other thing you wrote down is, you can't or you won't. Come on. Can't or you won't. There's opportunities to help people every day in every way. And we're called to do that. So right after this miraculous healing, as I mentioned before, they go from outside the temple, inside the temple, praising God. This guy that was crippled is dancing around. He's probably a better dancer than me, hopefully. He's dancing around and they're all praising and giving God the glory and everybody recognizes him as the crippled man. Have you ever been labeled before? Labeled by a disease, something that would happen in your past, what your parents did, what you did, or what you didn't do. But the cool thing is through that healing, through hope, he got a new identity in Jesus. He wasn't the crippled guy. He was the cured guy. (laughs) Right? But it took somebody else to reach out to him, to make a difference, and see something inside of him that God wanted to do through him for him to receive his healing. In Acts 4, where I want to focus on today is where Peter and John are arrested. After this great, amazing miracle, people got to be mean, right? And they're thrown in, arrested, thrown into jail, and they are brought before the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin were a, a, a group of religious leaders, Pharisees, the ones that were sad, you see, and the ones that weren't really fair, you see. So you can remember. <laughs> Thanks for laughing at my cheesy jokes. <laughs> right? But they were the elite of the religious leaders. It was a group of rabbis, uh, anywhere from 27 to 71. And they were in charge of all the religious law and everything that was going on around there. Right? And so they're brought before them as criminals. It's criminals. Like they've done something wrong. 
Remember, they were thrown in, in jail. And now they're being brought before the, the leaders of, of the Jews and this assembly. And this is probably the same assembly that, that uh, led or crucified Jesus and led him to the cross. The same group. Probably a lot of them were the same ones. And now they're being put on trial. You think like a little bit of you might be scared? Right? You just witnessed your teacher, your savior, you know, go to the cross. And there's a reality that you might be next. But they had boldness. They had passion. Why? Because they had seen the resurrected Jesus. He was around for 40 days, appeared before his disciples and many others. And they even saw him rise to heaven. And then he commissioned them. He sent them out. And so they had, man, when you, when you know something is true and you've seen somebody, something work, you don't want to just sit on your assets. You need to be activated. Right? Come on. In verse 2, it says that they were greatly disturbed. These are the religious leaders because the apostles were teaching the people proclaiming in Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. Right? Who would have thought they'd get so mad about a man getting up? The enemy wants to keep you down. Jesus wants to lift you up. Jesus wants to lift you up. Our God is a God of love. Our God is a God of grace. Our God is a God of hope. We have a hope that is steadfast, secure to our soul, as an anchor to our soul. He's in it. No matter how down you feel that you have been or currently are, he's there to reach out to you and lift you up. How many of you want to believe that today? Come on. How many of you do believe that today? That's pretty good. Praise God. Well, it says in verse 4, many who heard the message believed. So the number of men that believed grew to about 5,000. Wow. That backfired. 5,000 believed in the power of the resurrected Jesus active through Peter and John. Peter was once known as this, as Simon, just so you know. His, his name before Jesus changed it meant the reed blown this way and that way. And as you already heard, he was an uneducated man. He was a fisherman. He had a brother named Andrew. They liked to fish. I mean, like to fish. Nothing wrong with fishing. Come on. <laughs> right? But Jesus comes along and says, hey, why don't you follow me? I'll make you fishers of men, which was quite unorthodox, really, because at the time, a Jewish rabbi would only go after the elite. You would have had to already memorize the whole Torah. And after you memorize the Torah, you know, if you did really well, you would get a rabbi. So the guys that didn't make the cut, even though they grew up going to temple and doing all this stuff, they went back to the trades. And these were young men that were back in the trades. But how many of you know that God's going to use you? He doesn't always call the qualified. He calls the willing, right? Who's willing? Who's willing to go? And, and sometimes we can get so caught up in religion, in man-made religion, if you got to do this and do that and do this and do that, that we get in the way of relationship with Jesus. Jesus knew who he was picking. Because Peter wasn't going to be glorified. John wasn't going to be glorified. God was going to be glorified. And they took note of this. When they were brought before the Sanhedrin, they took note. These men have been with Jesus. Peter was a passionate, passionate man. I relate to Peter. He did a lot of things right, but his passion wasn't always in the right place. <laughs> Even though he was following the right person, there were many times where, people, where Peter said things he shouldn't have said. He did things he shouldn't have done. Right? He had great intentions, even to the point of telling Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. Now Jesus responded to that, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> He's not calling Peter Satan, but he was calling that thing inside of Peter that was limiting the calling because Jesus 
knew his calling was the cross. And because of the joy set before him, come on, how many need some more joy? He was able to endure the cross. Mm-hmm. So we got, we got Peter, Peter who even doubted, Peter who, who, who said, Lord, I'll never leave you. And then Jesus tells Peter just before the cross, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. I can't imagine, that would have been tough. It says Jesus was there in the moment when he looked at him and he's being brought out to be crucified. He looked and he made eye contact with Peter. Oh, that would have hurt. That would have hurt. But Jesus still loved Peter. Jesus never gave up on Peter. Peter may have given up on himself many of times, but the Lord kept coming back for Peter. And I might tell you more about that when Jesus and Peter first meet each other. Yeah, why not? I'll just tell you. So after his resurrection, Peter wasn't the first one to see Jesus. Uh-uh. Actually, the ladies were the first one to see Jesus. Mary Magdalene was the first to see Jesus. She was crying outside the tomb. All the men, huh? They stayed back. They thought the women were speaking nonsense. And Jesus shows up, and Mary doesn't even recognize Jesus. Thinks it's the gardener. Where have you put the body of my Lord? And when he says, Mary, she recognizes his voice and turns to him. But Peter, I mean, Jesus would reveal himself to people and then he finds Peter back to fishing. He went back to the boat. Back to the boat. That's the old Peter. Jesus taught him to be a fisher of men. But where do you, we tend to default. We tend to go on autopilot. We go back to what used to work and we settle for less than what God has for us in our life. Why? I think it was shame that brought him back to the ship. Shame brought him back to the ship. It wasn't conviction. It wasn't the hope of the Lord. It was shame. But Jesus met him right there. And then in that, Jesus asked Peter, he says, Peter, you love me more than these? And he says, specifically the fish. You love me more than the fish, Peter? He says, Lord, you know I love you. And there's three things that, that he says to him. He says, well, then feed my lambs. Okay. He asked him again a second time, Peter, you, do, you, do you love me? And you can imagine, he's like, come on, Lord, I love you. Well, then take care of my sheep. And a third time, remember, Peter denies Jesus three times. But three times, Jesus says, I love you, I love you. I love. Third time, I'd be done. I don't know about Peter, I couldn't get any words out. By the third time, he, sa he, sa he says, Peter, you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my I wonder, do you love Jesus more than your job? Some of us are like, oh, easy, all day long. I don't like my job. <laughs> Come on. You think your calling is a little more greater than what you are experiencing right now? You believe that maybe there's people, even in the job that you don't really like, that God wants to use you right where you're at because somebody else needs some hope. Somebody else needs to reach. Somebody else needs to be lifted up. Trying to live in a down world. And you can't just tell them, you got to show them, Emma. You got to show them. And if so, we got some sheep to take care of. We learned in Matthew 25 how Jesus one day, he's going to show up. The good shepherd's going to show up and he's going to separate the goats from the sheep. And heads up, the goat, again, is not the greatest of all time. <laughs> Most people would probably go there. Goat, that's me. That's me. No, you want to be a sheep. Because the sheep, he says, the sheep are the ones that hear his voice. The sheep are the ones that recognize his voice. The sheep are the ones that, that, 
that feed people that are hungry, give them something to drink when they are thirsty, clothe them when they are naked, visit them, help them out when they are sick, visit them in prison. Those will be his sheep. They will know we are his disciples by our love for one another. Because he says, just as you do or don't do to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you do or don't do for me. That's why it's in your heart to make a difference. That's why it's in your heart to help others that need hope and to meet the needs. It's in every human being. Because we were created to be in relationship with the Lord and with one another. The two commandments, the Lord says, all hang on this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. He even tells us to love our enemies, right, Emma? That's another story. Go watch that one on YouTube, <laughs> right? But discipleship, so if you didn't catch that, he actually gives a process of discipleship. It says, requires feeding others in their faith that are like lambs, right? Like little babies. They need to be fed, right? You first come to know God in your relationship, doesn't matter what age you are, you don't know what you don't know. What's this thing? Where do I start? What does this mean? How do I apply it to my life? How is this relevant? Someone's got to coach you, disciple you, take you along, feed you, help you understand and show you, right? And we take care of them until they become sheep and, the, and the, she, the lambs eventually become sheep. The lamb, the sheep start to learn to feed themselves to a degree, but they need to be led. They need care. They need boundaries, right? They need someone to shepherd them, someone to guide them and lead them, keep the wolves away, <laughs> right? And then thirdly, he talks about feeding the sheep, or the sheep, yeah, so they go from lambs to sheep, and then they need to be fed. Here's the thing, we feed, we feed others so they can feed others. We come in to get filled up with the Word of God, not just so we can go home and sit around, well, that was a good message, Pastor, but no, so we can take it out there, and we can give to others because we were designed to be a river, not a reservoir. So where are we at? I think we're at my first point. Because Jesus talked about how the sheep are going to be rewarded. Goats are going to be punished. Right? First point. First thing that we must recognize is this. In life, life's trial is our test. Life's trial is our test. And guess what? You've got the answers to it. And you don't just have the answers to it. You've got the God of the universe. If you have a relationship with God, you've got God moving in you and through you. And even in your weakness, his strength will be made perfect. But you need to know it's a test. In the working world, we know when we get tested, testing always precedes promotion. Right? God's got more for you. He's never going to give you more than you can handle, but he can handle it all. Even the things that you can't handle, he's got it. And stop counting yourself out when he's already called you in. He's counted you in. He's called you by name. He wants to do more and even greater things than you can ever hope, imagine, or dream of, but according to the power within you. Life's trial is a test. And hey, you might fail today, but you'll get another chance tomorrow. Because His mercies are made new when? Every day, every morning, great is His faithfulness. In Acts 4, 13 to 14, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, courage and they realized that they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus but someone say but <laughs> it's good butts and bad butts just so you know 
know what that is. Mom, is that you? But since they could see that the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Hmm. Since then. See, when we're tested, our courage becomes our conviction. Isn't it true? Man, I mean, you, you get somebody who's convicted or put into a corner on what they believe, especially when it comes to limiting people, casting people aside, overlooking people, not letting people in. Look out. That's just something I'm passionate about. You know, the word passion was first introduced a long time ago. People don't know this. It's the word, it's the word in Latin, it's passio, or passio, P-A-S-S-I-O. Look it up. It's the first time the word passion was ever introduced. And it was to describe Jesus going to the cross for you and me. That's passion. It actually means suffering. What are you willing to suffer for or suffer through to what God has for you? That's passion. Passion isn't like, ah! feel like it or I don't feel I don't feel passionate about her or him anymore that's not passion that's a feeling passion is an action who someone Emma, write that down passion is an action passion is an action love is a verb God is love so passion must be in action because faith without works is dead and for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life our God is love. First John, look it up. God is love. Passion is an action. Whew, it's good. Good stuff. Thank you, Lord. But when we get conviction, we get courage. We get courage to say the right thing, do the right thing, and hopefully act the right way. Right? It doesn't matter how you feel, whether you're unworthy or, or you feel that you're unworthy or unqualified. Passion with God-given purpose beats polish any day trust me there's a lot of people that know a lot of stuff and they're like the stupidest smart person i've ever met read so many books can recite anything but aren't even living it and what was happening with the sadducees and the pharisees the same thing they were out there preaching their own message doing it their own way and they missed the message and the way was right in front of them we gotta be passionate for jesus always about Jesus. It's always back to Jesus. Do you notice that they weren't praising Peter and John? They were praising Jesus? I wonder when we do good, who do we give credit to? We do good, we should give credit to God because every good thing comes from God. And the Lord put it on my heart a long time ago, like when I was challenged and the enemy was in my head, what are you doing? What are you doing being a pastor? That's what the enemy said. You're not smart enough. Nope. <laughs> You're not good enough. Nope, got me there. And then I heard the Lord whisper to me. He says, but I am. And look who I picked, Matthew. Look who I picked. Not so that you can be glorified, but so that he can be glorified. Because they're not going to say, oh, look what Pastor Matt did, brother. They say, man, there must be a God. Look what God did. I'm a great example of God's grace, forgiveness, mercy, that he will use anybody that is willing, that has passion, that isn't hung up on being polished. 
Jesus, they didn't think he was polished in any way. He hung out with the religious, with, not with just the religious leaders, but with those that were tax collectors. Oh yeah, I got to put them in a whole category. Other sinners and prostitutes and, and, and uh, religious leaders were around and they watched him and they, they didn't have the guts to go to Jesus. So they went to his followers and said, do you realize who he's spending time with? Jesus, knowing the things on his heart, said, I have not come for the self-righteous. But I have come for the sick. The Bible says that we all fall short of the glory of God, that we have all sinned. Paul said, He came for us. If you're willing, He's willing to use you. He's willing to forgive you. He's willing to set you apart, wipe your slate as clean as snow so you can go. <laughs> Sorry, you might, I like the rhymes. Make a song out of that one. I see when people see the evidence of what's eternal, right? Not just internal, external, eternal. When they see, and they will see, we've seen signs and wonders and miracles that are happening here in this house. We had to start recording them. We sense the Lord saying, Habakkuk 2, 2, write the vision down, make it plain so those that read it can run with it. But to realize this is what the Lord is doing in College Street. There's victory in the valley. We've seen miracle after miracle, sign after sign. And some of you are going to get a miracle today because you just came and you need someone to reach for you and speak to you and call you out and call God into your situation. But see, when people see it, and they'll see it, they're going to see you walking different, talking different, acting different. They say, where'd your pain go? Remember to give credit where credit's due. Man. Jesus, man, I went to this church, college church, crazy pastor, probably the most holy genes I've ever seen before, most religious thing he got. Look at that. <laughs> Some of you laugh. But the Lord will reach you. And he's here to reach you today. Why? So that you can reach out to others. So you can see the evidence of your faith through him and the resurrection Jesus. So no matter what trial you face, your test becomes your testimony, right? The word says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Ooh, that's a great way to change your perspective, hey? You can just look at your problem or you can look from a different perspective. Well, what does the word say? The number two point is that Breakthrough requires boldness. Life's trial is a test. Number two is breakthrough requires boldness to step out. Verse 29, now the Lord considered, now the Lord consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with what? Great boldness. So stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We face trials, we also face threats. Again, I mentioned people don't mind good stuff happening. It's just they kind of have a hard time when you bring God into it. And maybe because his name has been used and abused so many different times that people didn't know the purpose of it, so therefore they abused it. We don't always know. But the message of the gospel is translated good news. So when we bring God into it, you better bring good into it because God is good. Are you with me? But we don't operate in fear or just in the natural. For we are not at war against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. Ephesians 6, 12. 
I got to remind myself sometimes. I'm like, I'm not at war against him. I'm not at war against her. I might feel like it right now, but I'm not what I feel. I'm who God says I am. And if his word says the trial produces perseverance, if his word says that all things work together for good, for the glory of the Lord, for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. If his word says that I trust in him with all my heart and lean not in my own understanding and always acknowledge him, he'll make my pastor. It might not be overnight, but I trust in him even when I don't understand. That's what gets me through. The way makes a way when it seems like there is no way. His name is Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. You could, you could just feel like every religious spirit and bone and, 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 and at that time, it must have been when they're like, you got to understand, this is a, it hasn't been long since they had the, the temple and what separated the holy of holies was this big veil, about a foot thick. Only a high priest could go in there, had to go through all the ceremonial washings and had to be without sin and clean. And they would they would tie a rope to his leg. Can you imagine that? They put bells on his rope and he'd go walking in, right? To meet with the Lord. It was before Jesus, come on. And sometimes <laughs> he had sin. <laughs> and you hear a, and then no sound. So they pull him out with the cord. For real, study it. But then it says at the crucifixion, the earth shook. When Jesus said, it is finished, it shook. And guess what happened to that veil? It got torn from top to bottom. And because of that and because of Jesus' resurrection, it says that he is our high priest and we can go right before the throne of God. These guys believed it. They were doing, they were exercising, but some of them were still stuck in their old way of doing things because they're so hung up on their method that they missed the message. So what do we get up for? What do we rise for? What gets us stirred up? What gets us out of the bed? Well, we rise in faith. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for yet not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. You don't see it yet in your day. But can you see it in your heart? Can you see what Jesus wants to do in you, in your family, your community, your neighborhood? It's Zechariah 4, 4, verse 6 that tells us that, that it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Notice how they didn't pray, Lord, keep us safe. Oh, Lord, protect us. Keep us safe. Keep us safe. Keep us safe. Uh, sky has fallen. Just keep me safe. Keep me family safe. I don't want to go out. No, they prayed for boldness. They prayed for boldness. I said, Lord, make us bold. I stopped praying. To, I still pray for safety for my kids, but I pray more even now for boldness for them. There's a lot going on in the world right now, but we pour into them so they can go out and pour into their friends, so they can go into the schools and bring hope and light and help people live up in the down world. But I pray for boldness for them. They come to men's group. They come to prayer. You should hear the things that come out of their mouth. Lord, guide me. Lord, make, may I do it not for the approval of others, but do it for you. Come on. That's a 13-year-old praying that prayer. If I was praying that prayer, I was 13. Imagine where I would be. They pray for boldness. You speak God's word with great boldness, healing signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. 
we can come, we can overcome the battle if we are bold with God's word. And if you know the purpose of it, the purpose of bringing healing, not hurt. And finally, point three, before we pursue, we must pray. Before we pursue, we must pray. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. What would happen again? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Not condemning, boldly, with joy. I mentioned last week that we are called to be first responders and not first reactors. You can take that into your relationship and your marriage. That works really good. Am I being a first reactor or first responder right now? (laughs) Because your response is still your responsibility. But the Lord has called us, how do we love one another? Read 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Keeps no record of wrongs. Endures all things. Hope for the best. Look for the best. Come on. Always perseveres. Sorry, you're getting a lot to... No. Why do I keep saying sorry? You're getting a lot today. Praise God. Get fed so you can feed others. When we seek God first, we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, then all things will be added unto us, Matthew 6, 33. That's a good one, eh? Maybe we need to seek before we speak. Emma, are you getting all this? You writing it down? Who else is taking notes? Let's see. Ah, thank, thank you, Sam. Yeah, Kelsey, I see you. Rick, you're doing good. You'll be ready to preach this message. Seek before you speak. How? could have saved myself a whole lot of trouble if I would have sought the Lord before I just uh, said that thing that I shouldn't have said. (laughs) Right? Did that thing I shouldn't have done. Just take a moment. If you could, this, this might sound so simple, but when you feel like you're about to react, like a nuclear reaction, what am I doing here? But that was a little bit of you with me. Um, if you saw, she took a hair off. I guess it was, is that distracting? Should we start from the beginning? Let's go. Okay. Kidding. <laughs> but if you take a moment before you react, what if you just paused in his presence? What if you just sought him? Just for a moment, you know, how much would we save if we just, if we would, if we were to seek before we speak? I mean, that's worth it. That was worth your gas money here today, even at the price of gas. That was worth it. Seek before you speak. So before they, before they spoke in boldness, they prayed and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? We ask. We seek. And we knock. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. In Acts 2, uh, 38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just to give you a heads up, we're going to open it up for baptism at the end. That's what we do. The last thing that Jesus said before ascending to heaven in Acts 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Some of you need to power up. I did a cute teaching for the men this morning. I called it Power Up. Anyone seen the Mario movie yet? Yeah? 
everyone played Nintendo, you know, like with Mark. Come on, be honest. You play video games. That's okay. I'm not getting judged here, you know. But when Mario powers up, he's got he's to hit something, right? And it's usually that question mark box. And I'm like, how many questions have we been hitting later, lately? Ding! Ding! And maybe you're, you're, maybe you're, you're Googling it instead of going to God, right? And you're wondering why you're getting weird things coming out of there. But when Mario powers up, it starts with hitting the question. And if you go to the Word of God and you seek first the kingdom of God, all things will be added unto you. You're going to find your answer. There's certain things that will power you up. Prayer powers you up. Praise powers you up. The Holy Spirit powers you up. Jesus said, it's good that I go because I'm going to send with you the advocate. The advocate is there so you can advance, right? So that you can do even greater things, he said. Greater things than Jesus? Come on, Lord. You will, do, you will do these things and greater, but not without the Holy Spirit. But you just got to ask and receive. You need your power up. Like everybody needs a little power up. In Acts 4.32, all the believers were in one heart and one mind, unity. Who? We fight for a lot of things, but we don't fight for unity as much as we should. It says, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything, everything that they had. You know what I love about this church? It's a generous church. And it's a generous community. I keep meeting amazing like business owners and just people in the community that show up, people that don't even know Jesus show up because they were made to be generous. And that generosity flows to you and through you if you let it. And we are called to unity. Jesus prayed to his Father in heaven. He said, Lord, make them one as we are one. Instead of, he didn't pray, Lord, make them right. He said, Lord, make them one. Make them one. Our purpose is to pursue God and his will even over our wants. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's why we lean into his word and, hey, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And there are certain things in the Bible that he challenges us to do. And if we do them, see that he doesn't pour out such a blessing that you can't contain it. You're not supposed to contain it. You're supposed to help others with it. He promises to give you the desires of your heart if we trust in his direction. So will you get up for God? If not for yourself, for your family, for your community? I'm telling you, without God super in my natural, it's really hard to get up some days. It's hard to get up and forgive. It's hard to get up and move forward. I don't know where I'd be at without Jesus and without the prayers of so many people that have led me to this time and this place, space and place of his grace. But I thank the Lord. He gives me reason to get up every morning. He usually puts somebody on my heart, somebody on my mind, somebody that might be here today. It gets a word of encouragement that gets to be lifted up today that has experienced the joy of Jesus in their life. And to realize they're more, a lot more than what they're experiencing right now. So imagine if we choose as a church, imagine if we chose to get up every morning, not by default, but by design, expecting to receive so that we may have the power to give, the power to be generous, the power to make a difference. Exodus 15, verse 2, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Woo! 
<laughs> Would you guys stand with me? takeaway I simply have for you is we we get up so we can give. You got to have a reason to get up. You got to have a reason to give. We love because he first loved us. Maybe you haven't really received love. Haven't really received forgiveness. Like I'm talking agape love, unconditional love, only love that God can give. It's really hard to love others if you haven't been fully loved. It's really hard to forgive others if you haven't been forgiven. But I think this story is a great example of how relationship trumps man-made religion. How passion beats polish. How where you go, God goes. And if you receive the hope that is Jesus in your life, that you can do all things through him who gives you strength. Paul, from a place in prison, doing the right thing, and wasn't getting rewarded at the time for doing it, wrote most of the New Testament, and he said, he said this in Romans 10, verse 9, if we believe in our hearts, so where's that passion going to come from? And we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing that God the Father raised his son from the grave, we'll be saved. He said it's not by works, but by grace. And I just want to give you an opportunity to do just that. Just let God in. Let God in. Let him help you get up in the morning. Let him help you by being strong where you are weak. If you'd take that step of faith with me today, I'm just going to ask, we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask everyone to pray the prayer if you prayed it before. It doesn't get old for me. If you've never prayed this prayer before, you're coming back to him, just you soul with your whole heart. Would you pray with me? Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, for my sins. I'm asking for your forgiveness. You see, I believe that you chose and died to die for me. And I believe that you rose from the grave coming in my heart. Be Lord over my life. I want to walk in boldness. I want to act in boldness. I'm ready to be set free. I'm ready to help others and follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Just stay in the moment. Just heads bowed, eyes closed. Just in the moment. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters that you brought here today. I thank you for your peace to be on them in a very special way today. I pray that you would fall down from the top of the head to the tip of their toes. I pray, Lord Jesus, that those that have come in today with back pain, those that have come in with ankle pain, those that have been having chronic headaches, Lord Jesus, those that have been misdiagnosed and therefore they have been mistreated, Lord Jesus. Those that have been struggling with anxiety, depression, and fear, we say you have no place in here. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, set them free. Would you just touch them right now? If you came with somebody that's a friend or you know a loved one that you feel comfortable just putting your hand on them right now, would you do that? 
This is cool. What you touch, God touches. If you came with somebody, just put your hand on them right now. I just, just as an act of encouragement. If you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to do that. But this is someone you came with. This is your loved one. This is your family. And you're just going to feel a touch right now. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, flow down from the top of the head to the tip of their toes. Lord, you're somebody you're going to feel a, a warmth in your hands. Somebody just got hot hands. Somebody just hot, period. But Lord Jesus, thank you that you, your word says that whatever we agree for, agree upon, if two or more are gathered together, whatever they ask for, according to your will, it shall be done. Your will says, you tie your disciples how to pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there's no sickness, no disease, there's no pain. And Lord Jesus, set them free of that pain right now. Flow through their body. Give them peace right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Someone was in the gym the other day. A friend of mine, a sister of mine came up to me and she said, you know, we just started praying and then all of a sudden in the midst of prayer, the heat flew through her uh, or came through her leg and the pain was gone. We've seen chronic pain from injury. Men that were told they never walk again are walking right now. And I could just feel that like someone's really, I don't know what it is. Someone's hands are getting hot. (laughs) And you feel a little warmth going through your body. And if you're feeling a healing, you're feeling a release, it ain't me. That's Jesus. The same Jesus is active and moving in us and through us. Ooh, thank you, Lord. Just stay in this moment. While you're still in the moment, if you got an extra hand, if uh, you felt something, I'm not calling you out. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you, but just give me a thumbs up like, man, I felt something when when we we prayed. Yep, 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 yep. There's that boldness. Yep, yep. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. If some of you literally felt pain leave your body, that's a real good one. You just feel something. You felt pain leave your body. Give me a thumbs up. Say if that was me. You felt pain, yes, leave, leave, yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The next is this. If you prayed that prayer, which we prayed, and you invite Jesus into your heart, you, you didn't come for religion, but you came for relationship with him, and you received Jesus for the first time, or coming back to him. Can you just give me a thumbs up? That's me, right here. Yep. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on. Yep. <laughs> God sees you. It doesn't matter if you put your thumb up or you didn't put your thumb up. Yes, God sees you. He loves you. He is for you. He's not against you. <sighs> awesome. Can we give God some praise? Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, I'm going to have the band do what the band does. You stay standing. Uh, And I mentioned baptism. We're going to open the stage up because we put a little tank in here, a little hot tub. It's not hot, but it's it's some water. We got water in there. We fill it out of faith every time, and we fill it out of obedience. We, We felt convicted a long time ago as a church not to make it difficult for people coming to know God. A lot of times people don't have a problem with God, but sometimes they have a problem with Christians. They have a problem with other people getting in the way and making it difficult. So James said in Acts 15, 19, let us not make it difficult for those that are coming to know God. So what is baptism? Not something we're called into in the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey his commands, and surely he is with us always. Baptism, the word baptism in the Greek is baptizo, which just means to be fully immersed. Some of you baptize your dishes, but it's fully immersed in the water. But when you're baptized here, the word says that you're baptized with Christ. In Romans, it says it represents when he went to the grave, right? We're baptized with him. We, we say goodbye to the old us. 
Okay, we come up out of the water, it represents renewal, resurrection. And it says we are, we are resurrected with Christ. You don't just get in the water alone. Jesus is in there with you. And I'm telling you, it's such a powerful thing to witness. And we're going to witness it today, I believe in. The Lord is doing it and will continue to do it. And if that's you and you want to come forward as we sing, I'll be down there. Uh, just come forward. My wife and I would love to baptize. We got towels, we got clothes, we got it all. No, God's got it all. <laughs> you know what I mean. Let's worship God now together and come forward. Come forward. Thank you for tuning in today and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.